Thank you so much, Dr. Smith. May I join with Dr. Walker in giving a special word of welcome to all of you today. We're delighted to have you on the campus of Southwestern Seminary. Just a curiosity on my part, I'm wondering how many of you are on the campus of Southwestern for the very first time in your life? Could I see your hands? Uh, yes, quite, quite a number, and we are especially grateful to have you. You want to come often, even if uh, you're... Uh, child or your spouse or whatever has graduated, come back often and see us. We welcome you to the most ethnically diverse and diverse in every other way seminary on the face of the globe. And that is reflected in what is happening today. There are graduates from 31 states in the United States. There are graduates from 20 countries around the world. I have not counted lately to see how many countries we actually have represented in the student body, but I'm sure it is over 50 and probably moving on up towards 75. And so we are delighted that you are here because when you come here, you become part of a worldwide enterprise. Today, we are happy to announce that there are more than 140 institutions worldwide that are a part of the consortium that we have called uh, the, uh, the Global Theological Innovation, and uh, we're all working together around the world. That's pretty unusual, actually, uh, for uh, all the world's people to work together to accomplish something for the benefit of mankind and for the glory of God. And we are grateful for all of these students who leave here today, uh, some coming back to do further degrees, but those leaving especially, we pray for you as you go. Uh, listen to the reading of the text today from the 12th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Then one from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And then he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? I have no room for my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, build greater barns, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you're a fool. This night your soul will be required of you, and then whose will those things which you have provided be? And so it is that he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Well, you say that's certainly an unusual text for a graduation message. Probably it is, but I want to say to all of our graduates today 
that there is a deep message in this text for you. Today, you graduate with degrees. I happen to be a part of the program planning to create misery for you. And I have done my job as diligently as I know how. Your professors have taken up the charge. And whereas a lot of folks are graduating with degrees during the next couple of weeks all over this nation who know almost nothing and uh, have accomplished very little, you have graduated by the skin of your teeth with the sword of Damocles held over your head and with the promise of the great tribulation lying immediately ahead of you. And I know that that is true. And so I want to thank you, first of all, for your steadfastness, for your determination, for your zeal to stay with it to the end. And I remember from my own seminary days, it is conceivable to remember that far back. And I can remember from my own seminary days how many times I told my wife that I was through, I was quitting, I wasn't going to go any further. I know you said that, a lot of you too, somewhere along the line. By the grace of God, you decided to hang in there, and so you have achieved something remarkable. It is also true that there's a reason why we make it hard here in every way we can. We make it difficult because you are going to go to the ends of the earth. And even if the ends of the earth works out to be just down the street from the seminary here, you're going to minister in a tough day and a tough time. People are going to take exception to you on every hand. Some of them will want to take your life. Tragically, I fear that some of you will have to give your life for the cause of the Savior somewhere along the way. We wanted to prepare you for that by walking you through some pretty deep valleys to begin with. And you have done well. But now comes a message from the Lord when one slips into the crowd and speaks to him and says, Master, would you speak to my uh, kinsman so that he may divide the inheritance with me? And Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I did not come to be an arbiter or a judge among you concerning earthly things. I want to say to you, my graduate students today, remember why you are here. You are following the master who came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is your assignment. Accordingly, I want to charge you today not ever to become too interested in material things. Howard Hughes was a man who had it all. He was a handsome young man. He was athletic in every way. He was brilliant and soon had careers, several different careers, which included aeronautics and included Hollywood and the making of movies. And literally, Howard Hughes had it all. He became the wealthiest man in all the world. Wish you could have seen him on the day of his death. He looked like he had been in a collision individually and alone with the night train coming through town. 
He died a miserable death, the death of a recluse. He was miserably unhappy. He had everything in the world, but he ended up with nothing. Jesus knew that only too well. And so he said, just remember that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And when he said that, we immediately think about money, but you chose a ministry, so you shouldn't be thinking about much money. <laughs> and uh, there are, in fact, a lot of other things besides money. There is position, there is prestige, there is recognition. There are all those things that the world seeks after and that graduates all across this land will be seeking when they get their degrees in the next two weeks. You are not to seek for that. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. A man's life consists in giving his life away to others and to Christ. I promise you, you'll never grow bored doing that. Oh, there'll be some times when you're weary, but you're not going to be bored. If you do that, if you live your life in behalf of others, it is amazing what sustenance to the soul such life is and how you store up rewards that will never be taken away in heaven above. And so our Lord propounded a parable, and I want all of you to hear it very carefully. He said, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, what on earth am I going to do? Never dawned on him to ask a question about the population of the world, though much smaller at that time even then. An immense population. He never thought of them. He just said, what will I do with everything I have? And he said, well, I'll just tear down my barns and build greater barns. And then I'm going to say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease and eat, drink, and be merry. God had the final word. God said, you're a fool because this night will your soul be required of you and whose things will these be then? Somebody said, so-and-so died. Another person said, how much did he leave? And you know the answer. He left all of it. There's not a thing you can propound and put together here on this earth that you will ever take with you. The only thing that will be of any value to you, 30 seconds after you breathe your last on this earth, will be whatever you have in riches in heaven. In fact, our Lord concludes that very way in verse 21. So he said, he who lays up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. You have two choices in life. Every one of you gathered here today, you have two choices in life. You can live for yourself or you can live for heaven. You can live for that which you will lose somewhere along the line and nowhere before at death. Or you can live for that investment in the only safe bank there is in the whole world, and that's in heaven. And that will be yours forever and ever 
multiplied 10,000 fold. You can live for yourself or you can live for God. Now, I, I want you in the closing moment here today just to think with me a moment about that. I want you to just reflect on your life for just a moment. Would you just think about it? What have I invested in the heavenly bank? Have I invested anything in the heavenly bank? Have I lived my whole life just for here and just for me and my family? Or have I lived my life in such a way to please God who lives forever and ever, who is the creator of the universe, who made every single thing there is, all that I have, all that I enjoy, all that I will ever possess is the gift of God. And so he has given me these things. What have I done with them? How have I used them? Now, if you're very honest this morning, and I believe everybody here is honest, I think you will realize that it is a tragic mistake. The worst mistake anybody ever makes in life to live a life for yourself and fail to live it for God and for others. Her name was Charlotte Moon. She was born on the 12th of December, 1840. She never grew very large. She was just about five feet tall, and that was all. So you could easily overlook her, except for the fact that she was a member of a wealthy family in Virginia. She lived on the Viewmont Plantation, 40 miles from uh, Appomattox. And uh, she grew up in a believing home, but tragically, a home that held slaves. In fact, it was a wealthy home for there were more than 50 slaves there, and she had everything she possibly wanted with somebody waiting on her hand and foot. And uh, people wondered what would ever become of the girl who became known as Lottie Moon. Well, as so many do in her younger days, she decided to soar wild oats, and she decided that the faith of her mother and father were not really to be her faith, and she reached a point almost where she was an atheist, and she lived that way until she was 18 years of age, and then uh, December being a critical month for her, having been born in December, on December the 21st, 1858, Lottie Moon did something unusual. She felt deeply convicted that God was real and that she needed to give her life to the Lord. She trusted Jesus as Savior and almost instantly felt the call of God to missions and people said to her, Lottie, you've lost your mind. Why, you have the world in your hands. You can do anything. Anywhere you go, you've got an education, which was unusual for ladies at that time. And, and, and you can do anything in this world. Why would you want to give yourself to missions? In 1870, Lottie was appointed as missionary to China. In 1876, it became necessary for her to return to this country. 
and uh, bring her sick sister back from China. And she did so. And while she was back, she rekindled an old romance with a man by the name of Crawford Howell Toy, who was a brilliant Old Testament theologian. But Toy had decided in the process of his studies that the Bible had all kinds of mistakes and errors in it and was no longer a reliable book upon which to build one's life. As much as Lottie Moon loved Crawford Toy and she loved him until the day of her death, she realized she could not take Crawford Toy back to China with her. They could not go to Japan as missionaries as they had planned. She knew she had to break off the engagement. And she said to him, Crawford, I will always love you. I will never marry. But I cannot take you back to China. She broke off the engagement. She went back to her beloved Chinese people and settling this time at Pingtu, she gave her life literally for Christ. On the 12th month, December, the 24th day, 1912, Lottie Moon died in Yokohama Harbor on her way home. When they picked her up, it was easy she weighed less than 50 pounds. She had literally given away her life to the Chinese people. In a few days, we will be through with the building over to my left that's a matching building to this one. I hope you'll come back by the grace of God and the work of a number of people. We have secured Lottie Moon's house from Ping Tu. You'll literally be able to walk in the front door of that building. You'll walk along the way of a martyr's sidewalk. And you'll see there the name of every Southern Baptist who has given his life for Christ on the mission field. They'll all be there. They include quite a number of Southwesterners who have already given their lives, some recently, some since I came here as president. They've given their lives for Christ. And as you walk along that way, you'll walk into the building and there will be Lottie Moon's house directly in front of you. And you'll walk through a preparation done by a notable museum that focuses on what she gave up and what she sacrificed. W would you mind if I had a seance here today? Would that trouble you? Lottie, are you up there somewhere? Oh, hi, Lottie. You're pretty short. Could you bend out a little further over the battlements of glory so we can see you? Oh, Lottie, good to see you. I, I just really have one question for you this morning, Lottie. You know, you just, you were never large, and you just frittered away your life, it looks like. You just gave your life and you gave your life and you gave your life and you had everything. And Lottie, what I'd like to know up there is just uh, you've had several years to think about it now since you went home to be with the Lord, nearly a hundred. And Lottie, and all that thinking about it, could I just ask you if you had it to do over again, wouldn't you take those wonderful circumstances that you had? And wouldn't you take all the things that were 
to be yours? And would you not have worked a little to make yourself well-known? Lottie, you, you wouldn't have gone to China again, would you? I think I can see her smile. Not only would I do the same thing a thousand times over, and not only am I surrounded in heaven now with people that are here because I went to China and God gave me the grace to lead them to faith in Christ. And not only is it the case that I hear back on earth, you folks have a Lottie Moon Christmas offering that you give to missions in 40,000 churches, that it more than $100 million a year that your people give to missions in my name. Do you honestly think for a moment that I forfeited anything? I gave my life to God. And now, for eternity, he gives it back to me, multiplied a thousand times over. My precious student graduate today, I urge you not to invest in what passes away. Invest in what never passes away, eternal in the heavens. Would you bow with me, every head bowed? I know that some of you today have never received Christ as Savior. I ask that nobody look now except God from heaven. The graduate that you came to rejoice with today is so happy you're here. But I could not tell you how many of them have said to me, pray for a person that will be here in honor of my graduation pray that they will receive Christ as Savior. You see, the happiest that you could make that graduate today would be if you receive Christ as your Savior. So I have many goods for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. Concentrate on this life, not the life to come. God said, you're a fool who does that. However famous you may be, however you much have succeed, may have succeeded in life, you are, in fact, a fool to do a thing like that. But a man is a wise man who says, I don't understand all this, but to the best of my ability, I want to trust Christ today. I'm going to pray in just a moment before I do. I am wondering how many of you present today, please, with no one looking, would say just by lifting one hand toward the heavenly Father in heaven. Today, I don't really understand, but today, the best way I know how, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Would you lift your hand high? Anywhere in the building, just lift a hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Anyone else? There's so many I can't see well with the lights, but thank you today if you invited Jesus into your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for every person here. I pray right now 
that if there are others who have not lifted their hands, but who need to receive Christ as Savior, may they right now recognize that the world has nothing that they can take with them for eternity. And may they invest forever in eternity by inviting Christ to come into their lives. These things I pray in Jesus' name, amen.